It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 40 of the Redirect Podcast. It is Friday, March 30th, 2018. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. I'm joined this week by Ashley from the Black Truck team. Hi, Ashley. Hey. How are you? I'm great. Good. It is, uh, it's, it's Good Friday as we come into the Easter holiday. Yes. And so there's quite a few people out of our office right now. And, and of course, it's spring break, I think, in, in uh, this part of Michigan. So uh, that's why the, uh, the lack of individuals, <laughs> <laughs> which has been really great for traffic. So, mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of, uh, man, a lot of chatter, a lot of um, discussion happening around whether or not there was another update, another yes. algorithm update. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 28th is kind of what I think uh, uh, Search Engine Roundtable's Barry Schwartz was saying. Um, there's a lot of chatter, you know, on Twitter. I think too, kind of like Barry alludes to, like, is it, is it really, is it new or is it just continued from this this rollout that we saw mm-hmm. um, two weeks ago by now, right? Like the the actual major confirmed uh, rollout. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know what uh, in terms of the volatility that people are seeing. I I have not seen anything yet that indicates like a, a run for the hills right. type of thing. Um, but I'll, I'll kind of take lead off with this that um, uh, Google has officially gone on the record and stated that it is rolling out mobile first indexing. So we've discussed it many a times on the redirect. Uh, we've, we've defined it. Um, we had that great interview that we did with um, Mobile Moxie uh, Cindy Crumb, um, but this comes after like a year and a half of testing, and of course taunting the, <laughs> the SEO community with what this was going to mean. Mm-hmm. But Google states that they're rolling it out uh, to sites that follow best practices for mobile site indexing. So it is a widespread rollout, but they are favoring. They're going to roll it out to sites that follow best practices, and we can link to what those those best practices are. Um, but there was a quote in here that really stood out to me um, about people, Google really kind of saying, like, don't freak out if you're not in that initial wave. Because I went through and looked. Um, there's no messages. We don't, we don't mm-hmm. to, like, full disclosure, like, our site, not, not in the initial wave. I'm not concerned about it, though. Um, so this is a direct quote from them. Sites that are not in this initial wave don't need to panic. Mobile first indexing is about how we gather content, not how uh, not how we rank content. So content gathered by mobile first indexing has no ranking advantage over mobile content that is not yet gathered this way or desktop content. Moreover, if you only have desktop content, you will continue to be represented in our index. Now, that goes back to a few episodes ago, uh, the definition of being indexed right. versus being ranked two very big things but um you know kind of i i say keep an eye on it uh you're gonna see the notification in search console Mm -hmm. um actually i know you were poking around a little bit more in search console actually this afternoon so that's i was looking for that actually did you see anything nothing coming up no okay yeah not i mean i didn't check 
through our whole clientele, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is an official release on it, um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I think that it's, uh, you know, slowly over time we're going to see it. I was checking some other stats, and um, you know, if you're a Moz user, you'll see it in your main dashboard. You'll see a desktop versus mobile search visibility. Uh, you can see basically from about this fall. Uh, on most sites in most industries, you will see the desktop visibility start to go down mm. and you'll start to see the mobile visibility uh, go up. Um, so while we'll see mobile and desktop kind of both increasing, it's, it's interesting. I've tested it on multiples uh, to see the desktop visibility go down and the mobile visibility go up. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how Moz defines that though. So that could be, um, I, I, that could be misrepresented represented hmm. so, yeah but anyways interesting all right shoot well <laughs> all right so since um i just mentioned um we were looking for that update to show up in search console um on the topic of updates we've also discussed google maps a lot recently in the podcast as well and um a couple episodes ago we talked about how you could now update your business's information mm -hmm. in your Google My Business panel. Um, so there would be a description now that will show up in your knowledge panel in um, Google search where it would say from the business and then there's a, mm -hmm. a description. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I did update that up for our listing recently and it is showing up now. Um, so just a reminder that uh, to take advantage of that. And then some other updates from Google Maps. Um, I have to give a hat tip to um, Matt Southern. He just shared this on the Search Engine Journal. Uh, you can now search and filter reviews on mobile on the Maps Google Maps app really? for, for mobile. Huh? Um, oh. I have not tried it for desktop, um, so don't quote me on that. Um, but this is at least for the most updated version of the Google Maps app for iOS. So you can, um, you know, put in a keyword and do a search within the knowledge panel that would show up for a business that you're looking at um, in Google. Nice. So I tested that out a little bit. Um, it's interesting, kind of ties into the conversation to be had recently around reviews. Um, I. You know, on the spot, I kind of had um, maybe not the greatest example to work with, but it was the example that um, is in the Search Engine Journal um, article is on looking up reviews on the fries at Shake Shack or oh, something like yeah, that, yeah, you know, yeah. like, yeah. and I was, I couldn't really think of anything unique to test on the spot. And I was looking at a different restaurant here in Grand Rapids. So um, it'll be interesting to see how people might might be searching in mm -hmm. reviews. Um, but then it also makes me think about how when you are trying to recruit reviews from users that you can suggest maybe some themes that, oh, you, that you would like oh. them to... Based on maybe some of those, uh, those filtering categories, mm -hmm. if, if you were savvy enough to know that, right? Right. So... Um, suggestions like if you serve 
serve customers in various areas. You might, you know, ask for them to leave a review on their experience working with you in Grand Rapids mm-hmm. or, you know, so then if someone was specifically doing a search, trying to find information on Grand Rapids specifically, they might, you know, pull that up. So the reviews can be filtered um, so they can be searched by keyword or by a search that you perform, but then they can also be fi- uh, filtered by relevancy. So we've talked re- we talked the other day or a couple episodes ago <laughs> about you know what reviews would show toward the top, mm-hmm. and you know that's usually the most recent ones. Um, but now you can filter the reviews by either um, relevancy, which I'm not 100% sure what that means, depending on the business, I yes. guess, and then. Um, the newest reviews, and then you can also sort by the highest and lowest ratings. So there's a few, you know, more options to be able to look through reviews if that's, if that's your thing, if that's how you're vetting a business. And so, um, business owners should keep that in mind and maybe. I think, I think too, if you're encouraging, if you're encouraging, uh, individuals, patrons to, um, submit a review. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, you know, it's a follow-up in like a form letter, we've talked about those before, you know, Hey, thanks, Ashley. Uh, I appreciate you, you know, or we're honored to have your business, blah, blah, blah. Would you mind you know, reviewing this? Mm-hmm. It's a pretty simple ask. You're not really, um, one, you're not, you're, you're just asking, would you mind reviewing us? Is you have a 50, 50 shot. They're going to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, but providing them with a direct link and, and position in which they can make that review much easier. Um, if you are a savvy enough, I think, marketer and, uh, understand how specifically Google maps in this case works, um, you know, uh, at least in an Android device maps will ask you from time to time, if you would like to, pro- you know, if you could provide feedback to an area that you visited or whatever, and it'll ask you questions about, mm. uh, parking or was it busy when you visited and things of that yep. nature. Yep. I think that would be very important to, to have baked into your review process as well to be like, you know, uh, I, I don't want to go as far as saying front load the review, but to be able to, to make sure that, that you describe to people, Hey, if you had a great parking experience, please, right. you know, do put it out there. Um, you know, how is our concierge staff or something like that? I mean, if there was a way that the, the more descriptive on things related to yes. what we know Google's going to be asking mm-hmm. along with the filtering topics, which I do believe are very, uh, closely related to the questions that they ask people. Um, I think that that is going to provide a better experience for Google, for Google, the engine, to understand uh, how your business is locally. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily the user, but if you're understanding how Google is going to perceive mm-hmm. it, I think that helps because it is user-generated content at that point. Right. Um, how about that? the part that you noticed, though, today? You were looking at a specific restaurant, testing your, your theory. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about that, if you could. Well, I I have to, um, I guess, edit this a little bit because um, initially what I thought was I stumbled upon a Google local guide. So that's a designation that you can get through Google, through their local, um, locally focused services. As a consumer, you can sign up to be a local guide and you can 
leave reviews, take photos, and kind of give other information about businesses that you visit. Um, so submit that to Google through, um, I'm assuming it's all tied to the Google My Business. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. u- user-generated content for Google My Business. And um, in return, you'll get points. Yes, so they've gamified it. Yes. It's gamification of, of Google Local, let's yes. put it that way. Mm-hmm. So I wish Adrienne was here because I know that she, she does this and um, it'd be good to get her perspective. But anyway, what I had stumbled upon when I was looking at reviews for this local business earlier was a review from a local guide that began with, I didn't eat here, but I was walking by and I saw it. And, um, I, you know, you've probably stumbled upon a lot of these reviews, um, yeah. The atmosphere but, looks cool. They, you know. Yeah. So the, the thing is, I, the reason I have to edit the story a little bit is because as I read on, it appears that maybe they did order dessert, um, but that was at the end of the mm, review. Mm, um, interesting. But they did, submit, they did submit photos, and at first glance, I, I thought I was seeing this review that was left with all these photos by this local guide, and they hadn't even stepped forward you know, foot inside as a, as an actual patron. Well, the thing about that though, I think yeah. what that, regardless of whether or not they, they ate there, or in this case, I know the business that you're talking about, they could have just easily just had drinks. Mm-hmm. No, they chose to lead with, well, we didn't eat there. They could have chose with, oh, we were wandering through and we stopped in for drinks. Okay. <laughs> Semantics aside. Right. Um, it goes it goes to question, can you be a guide and could you just strictly be going after the gamification aspect of it, of getting all the points, not ever have to physically step into a location, per se, to be a patron mm-hmm. and and affect negatively or positively a location's um, positions and rankings and reviews? Right. I, absolutely you can. Like, who's policing that? Yeah, that's... I assume it has to be baked into their terms and conditions for signing up for something like this, but we know Were you how gonna submit closely, a receipt, right? right? I mean, yeah, we know how closely uh, you know Google has monitored some things that we might say are right, spammy right. on some local things lately, so or just historically. So just for clarification's sake, um, I don't know exactly what you get as you know building up points, but I think it's access to. Um, different events or um, personally I have not dug into it just because I don't feel as if I have that kind of time yeah (laughs) I left a review once and then Google asked me if I wanted to sign up as a local guy ah you should have well I'm still thinking about it but I think it's going back to I don't think I have time I (laughs) do I do really love writing reviews though Mm -hmm. and I love taking surveys so if you have any surveys you need someone to take send them my way I'll probably take them no, that's, that's, <laughs> I think that's really good. I think it's really good. Um, and, and we know too, we've talked about it, that, 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 that landscape is pretty, I mean, that's pretty volatile. You know, the, the maps in the local environment is pretty volatile. Um, but that shouldn't scare you away from wanting to engage with it. I don't, I know. I don't think so. Uh, certainly not as a business. It shouldn't, it shouldn't scare you away from engaging with it as a user either. Mm-hmm. Um, Google kind of owns the market there, I believe, uh, followed probably by Facebook. Um, 
I don't know much that's even, you know, being populated properly, if anything, in the in the Bing side of it, you know, the Microsoft world. But um, so Google really owns that that aspect. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I know there's some really good speaker topics and stuff coming up in, in some conferences really soon that are going to deep dive into it. So I'm anxious to, to hear what uh, some of the other professionals have to say, too. Cool. That'll be good. Um, so a lot of a uh, lot of really good stuff coming out of um, Search Love San Diego, which was this past week, and one of them that we I think we should totally link to is from uh, be Justin uh, Briggs Briggsby is his company, um, and it's reverse engineering YouTube search. So last episode or two episodes <laughs> ago, Adrian was pulling us all and yeah. like, okay, well talk to me about optimizing YouTube. And it, you know, quite frankly, it follows, you know, it follows uh, pretty, pretty closely to what Justin has come up with here in terms of, uh, of, you know, understanding he went deep dive more, which search love totally goes, goes deep Mm -hmm. technical SEO, but he went deep dive on how the YouTube search algorithm works. And looking at, at uh, you know, almost 4 million data points and 100,000 different videos. I mean, he went super geek on it, which I applaud him for that. But looking at the highest correlating ranking factors, and the tops are totally like video views, channel subscribers, likes. Like, it's a, it's a for lack of better phrasing, it's a beauty pageant, right? <laughs> it's a favorite. It's who's, Popularity contest. Yes, thank you. you yeah. know? So views, subscribers, likes, comments channel views, right? I mean, those are the top four mm-hmm. that he's outlined here. Then we get into things all, all the way down to um, the number of domains it's linked or embedded in. So um, sharing, uh, mm-hmm. positive ratings. Um, then he gets into keywords in the in the description, keywords in the title, things like that. So what we focused on was very much um, what would be like if you were to optimize a a video, mm-hmm. much like you would do on-page SEO, and um, and he kind of he kind of followed similar suit, but he talked about some negative um, correlating factors, and that was like likes per view, title length, comments per view, number of broad match keywords. Um, so it's, it's interesting the common themes and stuff. We'll have to share this. Um, you know, basically uh, text-based targeting. Um, Exact match, broad match. How do you define that in YouTube? He goes pretty deep in how how you want to maybe analyze this. So I think that would be it. Would certainly this guide would certainly not be great for anybody who's just starting out. Mm. Um, but totally, maybe if you have an active YouTube channel and you're starting to produce some better content, starting to get some traction, I think this could be a really great uh, a really great great piece for us to share and, and be able to talk a little bit more about. So Justin produces some great content. So cool. we're sharing. I have a quick question for you on that. Uh-oh. Um, we had a recent conversation with a client who is looking to um, create some video content. Yeah. And um, we were discussing whether or not that video should be hosted on their website or mm. on YouTube. So knowing that the number of websites that videos are embedded, uh, embedded on... Um, in this case, you know, it may only be their website, but you know, if they were to, you know, if a client were to host yeah. a video on YouTube, yeah. but then embed it in their site, what's well, the, so I think that there's, there's totally pros and cons mm-hmm. of it. 
and knowing too that there's not there's not a signal out there that that says you're going to be penalized for let's say duplicating meaning nobody's stopping you from having your video on YouTube the same that you would have on Vimeo, mm-hmm. right? Um, you could even, I would argue that you could probably even use a similar title. You could use a similar, you know, description and call out. Maybe you want to make them a little bit different, but nothing's stopping you from doing that. The advantage of, of when we talk about hosting a video mm-hmm. versus using YouTube um, if you're, air quotes, hosting a video, I, I would say that you're most likely going to be using, hopefully using a service like Wistia. Um, and even in that case, you are not hosting the video, right? Wistia is hosting the video, mm. and it just happens to be served up on your page. But the advantage to something like a Wistia is that you're going to get all kinds of detailed analytics on that video, on that page that you're not going to get from YouTube. YouTube's analytics from that perspective are still vague in the sense of of views and likes and, and things like that. Not what page did this video reside on, the types of, of, of view through rate that it got on that page. Um, you can't have call outs and annotations and like pop ups that say buy me now and calls to action. You can in some annotation level on YouTube, but not nearly to the level that you can use uh, Wistia for. Mm. So if video was a big strategy uh, or big selling point for for this client or for your brand in general, I think that that investing in something, you're investing in good video, investing in a tool like Wistia that can assist you with that, mm-hmm. I think that that's money well spent. And I say that because Wistia starts out at, I, I can't remember where it is, it might be $30 a month, it might be $100 a mm. month, I can't remember. There's a cost to it. But it can be um, very beneficial to help feed the funnel. Yep. That's not to say you can't take that same video and put it on YouTube. Right. So that you try and get some of that search, um, the search factor that's happening on you know the second largest search engine, right. which is YouTube. So right. I think there's benefits of both. Um, if somebody's just starting to to dip their toes in the waters of uh, a video using video marketing in their inbound strategy, produce a couple, put them on, put them on YouTube, embed the video, and 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 start to see where you go. Now you can certainly get. You know, if you're savvy with it, you can certainly get crafty with Google Tag Manager, um, you know, and, and tag those with, with custom events and triggers to say, okay, well, did did somebody press play on that video, mm-hmm. right? At least you could start to get some engagement metrics out of it to understand what happened there. Right. Um, so that's, I think that's a couple different ways to go about it. Or create unlisted videos. So there, there are videos that are in a channel. Um, like right. I have, I have videos on on my own personal channel that are more like um, for speaking pitches and things like that. So they're speaking samples. They're not. Um, I suppose you might. I don't think you can publicly find them. They're on my channel. They're publicly viewable, but you're not going to be able to find them. It's kind of. It's, I'm sure it's a great unless area, you have but, a direct link. Yeah. Right? So I suppose it, even in that regard, if you wanted to hack the system so mm-hmm. to speak you could you could create a playlist that was unlisted and use them specifically for your site but um I, yeah. you're not going to get the search file uh, value there, so. right yeah cool thanks yeah all right so moving on um going back to my other hobby horse <laughs> of content um i was going through my feedly today and 
came across a recent post from Rand over on Spark Toro's blog. Which is weird to say, right? You're <laughs> yeah. trying to get it out of you're trying to get out of your your uh, you're trying to get Moz out of your <laughs> Rand Fishkin right. connection. Yep. So this article is don't start your content marketing with what do my customers want? Mmm, I read that one. Yeah, I on first read, I, it's a nice short article, um, but on first read, I was kind of like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Of course you want to think about what your customers mm-hmm. want. Um, but then, you know, he, so basically he's saying, don't start with customer personas. Don't think about giving your, basically your current customers what they're looking for. Um, and then, you know, as I read it again, I, I understood. He's saying you're preaching to the choir, basically. You're, you know, you're talking to people you basically already have in the funnel. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, with content marketing, you often want to extend beyond that. Not often. All, like <laughs> almost always, I would argue. Want to extend beyond what the people who might currently be in your funnel and capture um, their attention and... Um, get them interested in you, and so he's definitely going the route of you wanna you wanna work with journalists and influencers, amplifiers, authors, podcasters, and media to reach your audience. Um, so you know he kind of draws that line between customers and audience. So as a business, you know, arguably your audience is anybody, um, although you want to define that you mm-hmm. to people who are actually gonna you know be interested in in what you have to offer. Um, so he argues that, you know, uh, using these influencers and journalists and, and media making connections there and, and getting your content shared that way is more likely to achieve your marketing goals. And I agree, and obviously that's part of what SEOs do is make those connections. Well, isn't that and, part of what Spark Toro is going to do? Well, as well? exactly. So it's a little heavy handed. Oh, you, there, you Rand. ruined it. Yeah. You, you Sorry. Ruined, you ruined did, I steal your pun- yes. did I steal your punchline? Yes, that Damn was going to be my little wrap up. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So I agree with him, but I have to put on you know my SEO hat and, and tackle it a little bit from our perspective here. And, you know, again, outreach and, and creating content to submit to publications is definitely part of what we do. And um, so, again, in that sense, I agree with him. But then I think about the approach that we use in our keyword research. We aren't only targeting existing customers. We're looking for opportunities to reach a wider, relevant audience uh-huh. through the selection of, you know, the keywords and search terms that um, that we choose and um, building content to answer questions that aren't currently being answered. So you are going beyond your current pool. You know, he, and he draws a distinction between, you know, customer-centric content that he argues would be better for using for e-newsletters and, you know, if you have a product that they're, that they're using of yours, you know, in-product content is what he said, versus externally focused content. Um, so he's focused more on the externally focused content. Um, So there's different, obviously there's going to be different goals for different types of content marketing. Um, But yeah, in the end, he's building a tool for influencer (laughs) and audience (laughs) intelligence. So I'm not surprised. But I think there's some really great, there's some really great comments on this blog too. That's where I I I kind of went, you know, and and one of the ones was, um, you know, maybe perhaps this could have been something more like don't always start your content marketing or don't start all your content marketing Mm -hmm. with what do my customers want? And I think that that's uh, a very uh, valid point. 
Um, and this plays well in with some other things that Rand has talked about in the past about, you know, developing content for individuals that know your brand and are familiar with your brand, but maybe have purchased from you or maybe those that haven't purchased from mm-hmm. you. But then there's other people that don't know a thing about your brand and they're very much that problem solution seeker. Um, I question, does that problem solution seeker go into this bucket of what do my customers want? I think no, it doesn't, mm-hmm. because that totally goes into more of of the of how individuals seek out uh, products is because they have no idea necessarily what they want, so, or sometimes right. they do, but they're looking searching based on on problems. Now match that up with influencers or people that can influence your customers or people who are of authority that are talking about your product. So all of a sudden I have multiple pieces of content out there talking about my brand and my product on other sites, as well as my own branded content that's talking about problem solution product. That's a win, win, win all the way down to, to a conversion. So I totally get, I totally get where he's going. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's, I'm I'm interested to see how his tool rolls out, but I, I think it's uh, I think it's certainly a little bit of a mind shift for people. But I I also believe that we talk about it a lot here that so many marketers are very very focused on my product. I need to talk about my product. Well, if your customer doesn't know what your product exactly. is, they don't know what your brand is. Even if they know what your product is. You you have one product amongst uh, fifty other manufacturers that produce that same product. How do you stand out? How are you you know how are you standing out in that in that sea of of products? So, um, man, that's a tough one. Yeah. Constant constant battle for sure. Awesome. Um, I would like to end on a quick piece here. I think it's a question that we get. Uh, asked often is how quickly will we see improvements from any type of SEO work that's done? Um, I think that one is also very difficult for for most you know SEOs to answer just because there's there's so many factors that come into play. Uh, anything from the volatility and movement within an industry or vertical to age, history of domain, etc. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, factors that come in there, and and I'm sure like any like doctors you get five SEOs in a room you ask them <laughs> the same question you're gonna get five different answers but um but what about major changes to a site we're talking not just little incremental changes but like major ones so um uh, Jennifer Slake from the Sem Post pointed out uh recently in a conversation that uh John uh, uh Mueller pointed out Google's John Mueller that that major changes can take months, sometimes up to half a year. So months meaning up to six months until you actually see the results of what the work that you've put into it. So <laughs> um, that's not to say, you know, you shouldn't just stand on the uh, on the sidelines waiting for things to happen. I mean, you should continue to, you know, be producing content, honing your content, honing your strategy. Mm-hmm. But when you make like major restructure and shift changes and things like that, um, you know, a good benchmark and rule of thumb for us is we're always looking at about that three month mark, that 90 day mark, which can really, we, uh, hopefully by then we can start to see some movement, good, bad. I mean, by that point, I hope that we can see some, some movement. But I think what John's saying here is just further 
more or less validates that thinking that this can take some time depending mm-hmm. on what we're doing. So if you're like, if you're trying to produce some some content on a hot streak or something that's super buzzworthy, like unless you're a real known brand or you know your content's going to get shared socially and yeah. really get amplified out there, yeah, I have to question like it's it still might be worth producing that content and making those changes even, but like man, the likelihood that you're going to get picked up and that <laughs> it's going to really have an impact on uh, from an SEO perspective. You might be better off just packing a lunch for, you know, the, uh, the it's the long play, right? It right. still is the long play. And I think people might, you know, uh, understanding that things do change a lot mm-hmm. in in the digital world. And that's, you know, why we have this podcast, basically, to keep up on, on everything. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of good to, to have that reminder that, yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. No, I agree. If you want the sprint, let's, let's, talk, uh, let's talk PPC campaigns. Um, but hey, that's for another time. We talk about, maybe we'll talk about how uh, how we how we do uh, we could use uh, content marketing efforts to help fuel PPC. So, mm. all right, cool. Well, we've covered a lot of topics there. There's a lot happening. Algorithm updates, uh, mobile search index. Keep an eye out for Search Console messages to come through to let you know there will be an official message that comes through from from what we're reading. Uh, Google My Business reviews. Uh, how maybe they're gaming or not gaming the system, and uh, you know how how uh, how fast you might see results from major major changes to your site uh, as it means to SEO. So uh, until next time, good luck. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.